Welcome to Pursuing Biblical Masculinity, a podcast where we explore God's Word to uncover the disciplines we need to live out our faith. Our heart is to help men not just know Scripture, but to enable them to put it into practice so that they can stand firm in the faith. So whether you're a longtime believer looking to grow deeper in your relationship with God, or you're new to the faith and looking to build a solid foundation in biblical truths, you're in the right place. A historical mark of a good man is a man who keeps his word, a man who says what he means and means what he says, who speaks truth regardless of the situation he is in. Now, sadly, this is not necessarily a character trait that we see in our culture today. Men are prone to sin. Uh, we're prone to wander. We are depraved. And we live in a postmodern, irrational culture that really defies the whole idea of truth itself. But as Christians, we are to look different than the world. And as men desiring to pursue after the heart of God, we must strive towards truthfulness and speaking truth in all areas of our lives. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 5 verses 33-37 as we continue our journey through the Sermon on the Mount. And in this section, Jesus is addressing this topic and is giving us a very straightforward command to follow. He says, starting in verse 33, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. There's been many across the centuries of Christendom that have taken this text to mean that we can never take an oath or a vow or swear to anything. But if we are looking at scripture from this holistic standpoint and understand the Bible as this one complete story, we see that there are times where oaths and vows are commended. In fact, oaths are, are commonly associated with covenants. And the Bible is one long story of God's covenant promises to his people to bring them from their sins back to him. And we see these types of oaths in places like Genesis 26.3 or Psalm 132 verse 11. Paul himself took vows and oaths during his ministry, which we can see in Acts 18.18. Even John, as he records his vision in Revelation, swears an oath to the angel in Revelations 10, 5 through 6. And if we look at the reformers, uh, and specifically the divines of the Westminster Confessions of Faith, they say that oaths are appropriate in matters of weight and moment. So if we kind of compare the scripture we read with some of these other instances, it would almost seem as there's a contradiction here, where Christ is saying to do one thing, yet in other places of scripture we're seeing something completely different. Well, for us to really understand what's going on in this instance, we have to understand what the Jewish practices were uh, early in the first century. The first thing we want again to address is how Jesus opens up this section. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old. In these kind of smaller sections after the Beatitudes, Jesus is comparing and contrasting what is going on in culture with what God originally intended when he set out a law or an ordinance or something for his people to follow. And so Jesus is saying, this is what you're being taught. And then he always comes back and shows us what the actual intent behind the law was. 
And so during the first century, the, the Jews were trying everything they could to obey the law, to obey the letter of the law fully, because they believed that you know, they were under a covenant of works. If I obey the law, I will be pleasing to God. But as Christians, we understand that we cannot obey the law of God. In fact, if we break one law, we're guilty of breaking the entire law. But the Jews were trying to put in things in kind of guardrails so that they could, quote unquote, obey the law. So what was going on is they would say, all right, as long as you don't use in the name of the Lord, then your oath is not a real oath. And if you break it, you're actually not sinning. Uh, or as long as you don't swear by God, it's not a valid oath. So you don't actually have to fulfill the oath that you've given. They were trying to get around uh, this law that God gave through Moses in, in Numbers chapter 30, verses 1 through 2. And they invented this system in order that they could say or tell people, like, here's how you can quote unquote make an oath, but not make a real oath. So if you do break it, you're not sinning. What Jesus is doing in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 37, is really pointing out the foolishness of this teaching. He's showing them how absurd this, this whole concept is. Because we live in the presence of an almighty God. Uh, there's, this, there's this theological term called quorum Deo, which means before the face of God. And you and I, we live before the face of God, which means that all we do, God sees and knows. All the things that we say, God hears. All the commitments we make, God knows that we've made them. We cannot get out of our obligation simply because we did not swear in a certain way. Because when we speak out an obligation, God knows what we are doing because we live before God. And Christ is calling them to a new level of truthfulness. For them to be conscious of the words that they are speaking and being aware that everything we do is in the presence of the Almighty God. And if we swear or make an oath, it doesn't matter how we make that oath. The words themselves don't determine the validity of the oath, but it's the fact that we speak it. And Jesus is saying, it's better for you not to call in an oath or a vow, but just to be honest in everything that you do. That our words themselves hold us to a standard of our actions, that we must live in perpetual truthfulness. In The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, the cross is God's truth about us, and therefore it is the only power which can make us truthful. When we know the cross, we are no longer afraid of the truth. We need no more oaths to confirm the truth of our utterance, for we live in the perfect truth of God. The cross exposes who we are, it exposes the truth about us that we are sinners and we deserve death. It shows that God is a God of justice because instead of us, sin had to be paid for. So Christ paid that ultimate penalty. But it also shows that he's a God of mercy and grace. By instead of having us die for our sins, Christ died and atoned for our sins. So it shows us who we really are and then gives us a way to actually be truthful when we live in Christ. We're no longer afraid of the truth. Our sins have been exposed. The reality of who we are is apparent. So now we can be honest and truthful. And, and what Bonhoeffer's doing is he's looking at this scripture. He's saying we don't need oaths now to confirm our truth because everything we speak is truthful. Everything we speak should be honoring to God. And this is what Christ is getting at. He's saying that the oaths you make are worthless because you don't mean them. 
But as a Christian, and when he's teaching his disciples here specifically, as a follower of Christ, everything you do and speak should be truthful and should reflect and should reflect the honesty and the integrity and the power of God. We must be honest and speak what we mean at all times. The reality is, is untruthfulness destroys fellowship and breaks trust. If we're lying to each other, the disciples were lying to each other, they would not have trust with one another. There was a disciple who lied. His name was Judas. We know how that story ended. But truth is essential to the community of Christ. Truth is essential to the body of believers. So instead of making broken or open-ended promises that we never intend to fill, Christ is calling us as men who are living quorum Deo in all circumstances to speak truth and to keep our word. We're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to do life in fellowship. We're meant to build solid, deep relationships in order that we can grow in our faith and live in truth and walk with integrity. And that's what Christian mentorship and coaching is all about. If you're a man who's looking to grow in his faith, needs uh, somebody in their life that can, that can walk through uh, the ups and the downs and to help them set goals and to strive to be the man that God has called them to be and are interested in learning more about coaching, I want to invite you to sign up for a free discovery session at reformedandredeemed.org.